0: Hey, this is Taylor, and welcome back to another message from Elevate Retake. Due to the snow and ice that we were oh so blessed with in Texas last week, we were not able to produce our normal episodes, but that being said, we are getting back on track, and prayers are very needed and appreciated for those still suffering from the effects of our crazy winter storm. Now, diving into our message today, this message comes from a new series called Revive, and it is entitled titled, Are You Gonna Ask? This new series focuses on our need for the Holy Spirit and how we can revive it and receive it. A key text today is found in Luke 11, verse 9 through 10. And it reads, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. A key theme we will be taking a look at is God is willing to give the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is ask. Your engaged question to ponder throughout this message is how do we receive the Holy Spirit?
1: Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. We're gonna begin in verse one, but we're not gonna stay there long because we need to look at a second portion of this scripture scriptures where we're gonna to dwell today. But we've gotta catch Luke chapter 11, verse one, to be able to understand where we are headed. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus went on to say, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food that we need. And verse four, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation. It's from the New Living Translation, it's what I'll be reading from this morning if your version's a little bit different than mine. It's a familiar piece of scripture, right? Jesus lays out the Lord's Prayer as he did in the Sermon on the Mount. He kind of condenses it a little bit here in Luke. The disciples are eager and anxious because they've seen John's disciples praying, and they say, Okay, Jesus, let us know how, how do we pray? How do we talk with God? I think that's a question that we might want to ask ourselves, right? How do we talk with God? How do we communicate with the divine? How do we talk with the holy in a way that God becomes personal? Someone that we can reach out and touch. A friend, someone that sits down beside us just like the person sitting down next to you. They're yearning for a deep connection with God. And what Jesus lays out for them is a model. He says, hey, this is how you should pray. But he does not leave them there. He said, yeah, you can use these words, you can use this formula, but the purpose of prayer comes through the Holy Spirit. And here's how Jesus demonstrates that for his disciples. Luke 11, verses 5 through 8. We're going to take a look at those right now. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Anybody been there? Visitors showing up unannounced? It's like, well, we could pull out some ramen and put it in the microwave. Maybe, just maybe. Suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, in verse 7. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't open due to friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. It's a friend at midnight coming and knocking on your dorm room door, saying, Hey, you got some snacks? I'm kinda hungry. Persistence got him in the door. We have to ask ourselves some questions, right? Why is this man coming to town? And why is this guy having to take care of him? Well, in the Jewish time when this was written, when someone was traveling, it was up to the community to take care of that person when they came to town. It wasn't just for the single person that they, they knocked on the door and, okay, yep, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out what we can scrape together. It was the responsibility of the community to take care of the person that was the outsider in order to make them an insider. And that could be a whole sermon in itself, but we don't have time to dwell on that today. But we, we've got to think about it. And another detail that peeks out in my mind is it says that it's midnight. And, you know, we could look at this and be like, oh, okay, yeah, everybody's knocking on everybody's door at midnight. But... No matter if you're living in the first century or the 21st century, midnight is still midnight, and for some of us, it's a very ungodly hour. I know, uh, looking at a room filled with mostly college students, and, and midnight is like you're just getting warmed up to study, right? But once you graduate and, and you become old, i am got to be careful how I say this, midnight starts to be like, whew, I'm staying up to midnight, something's wrong, there's a project, I, I, like 9 o'clock, can we go to bed? Anybody? I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. I got, I got another person here. So midnight, it's an unholy hour. And then the other question is that he's speci- very specific about what he asked for, right? He says, if I could only have three loaves of bread, that's all I need, is three loaves of bread. Well, back in those times, they didn't carry around forks and knives with them and use the regular accoutrements. There's your dollar word for the day. Accoutrements, tools, utensils that we used to eat. They would use bread in order to eat their food. So in essence, what this man is saying as he's come to his friend at midnight, he's saying, I, I, I don't have a set of utensils for this guy to be able to eat with us. So if I could just have three loaves of bread, we're going to be able to, to share a meal together. All I need is a fork and a knife and a spoon. And here's the other thing. The guy says, I've got nothing for him to eat. Have you ever felt like you have nothing? you've got nothing to give someone asks you for something and it's just like i i don't know if i can do that cuz i i barely have enough for myself how am i supposed to take care of somebody else and you know this isn't necessarily the the open the nothing of when you were a kid and you would open up the refrigerator cuz you were hungry and you'd stare into that glowing yellow light and there's shelves stocked with all sorts of food but you say Mom, there's nothing in the fridge. Was that just me? It might have been just me. Mom, there's nothing in the fridge. She's like, yeah, there's plenty of things in the fridge. The thing about it is that there was nothing in the fridge that I wanted to or particularly cared to eat at that moment. There was plenty if I just knew what to do with it. And did you guys see the, the Zoom cat uh, video this week? Yeah, you see that? Yeah, so remember how the the lawyer is just totally beside himself and he's joined the zoom meeting in this district court with a a cat filter over his face and you know the helplessness that he expressed he's just i i i i don't know i i'm willing to proceed but i i I don't know how this cat got here and, and my assistant is trying to help me and uh judge let me assure you i'm not a cat Anybody experience that level of nothingness, that helplessness that you don't have anything to offer? You're trying to figure out, and it just feels like you're walking through life with a cat filter over your face? Uh, I got some agreement on that one. This guy's at at at, its, at his wit's end. He doesn't know what to do. And lastly, his friend kind of seems like a jerk, right? He's like, I I I can't I can't get up right now. Yeah, I can't be bothered. He keeps knocking, keeps knocking, keeps knocking. No, no, no. I, you know what? He seems kind of like a jerk, right? But in this time, families would, there wasn't necessarily a bedroom. You didn't get to have a bed by yourself. You got to share a bed space with grandma and grandpa and auntie and uncle and mom and dad and brother and sister and cousin. And everybody would move any type of furniture off to the side. They would lay a mat down and they would all sleep together in the middle of the room. And for the friend to say, hey, I can't get up right now, what he's telling the friend that's at the door is that, hey, if if I get up, I've got to wake up my baby girl who's sleeping and I've got to wake up my wife because I just can't move from this spot without other people being awoken. And as we're reading this story, we have to scratch our minds for a moment because is this a true picture of who God is? that we knock on the door of heaven, and we knock on the door of God's heart through prayer, and we say, God, I, I need some help. I've got nothing. I've been walking around with a cat filter on my face. Is this a true picture of who God is? I don't necessarily think that it's so, because Jesus tells us the reason that the friend got up in Luke chapter 11, verse 8. We'll read it again, but I tell you, Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. In other words, if you're annoying enough, you can get some help. But look what Jesus says. continues on, Luke 11, 9 through 10. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door Will be open to you. for whoever asks, receives, whoever seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I love how the New Living translation puts it, because the verbs that are used there are these continual, continuous participles. They're in this continuous sense. They're action verbs. Let's say, keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Have you not received the blessing that God has promised? Keep looking for it. Keep trying to find it. Keep looking for where God is pointing in you, the directions in your life. And he's saying, I'm here. I'm here. But we don't always see it because maybe we haven't asked enough. But is that really a clear picture of who God is? I'd offer to you this morning that often the answer is found in the process of searching. That's why you're here at school, right, for the students that are in the building. Yeah, you'll get a paper at the end of your time here at Southwestern that says uh, you earned a degree, and you went through the process. Some of you will scratch your heads and say, it is a miracle from God that I received this paper. Others of you, it will, you know, you'll be a super senior, and you'll cram a four-year degree into five years, and we're going to be so proud of you. And others of us, we walk along and like, oh, this isn't too bad. But after you finish your time in university, after you finish your time in school, it's not so much the day-to-day that you've gone through, it's the process that you've been a part of. That you've become a better person because you've been persistent in your pursuit of academia. God knows that we need the continual support of the Holy Spirit and reminders of who He is question for you this morning is, what have you been asking for? What have you been seeking? On which door have you been knocking? Have you been pursuing God this semester with a shameless persistence that no matter what comes in your way, school, a little thing called the coronavirus, a relationship gone well or gone afoul, what have you pursued this semester with shameless persistence. Jesus will take it a step farther in Luke 11, verses 12 through 13. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? He says, of course not. Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Jesus shared this parable not necessarily for comparison, but for contrast. He says, hey, because of the shameless persistence of of you when you go knock on your neighbor's door, he's going to help you out. Even though you're sinful, when your child asks for a good gift, you're going to give it to them. You're not going to give them a bad gift. And Jesus said, so much more God will do with you. Even a father will give a good gift to a child. Jesus is using this Jewish rabbinical tool, a a literature device, this if-then contrast that says, if this first thing, then so much more the second thing. How much more is God willing to do for you? I offer to you this morning, it's exceedingly beyond your wildest dreams. Helmut Haubau in the book Steps to Personal Revival on page 11 puts it this way. Jesus wanted to show us that it is even more unimaginable that our Heavenly Father wouldn't give us the Holy Spirit when we ask. Jesus wants us to be sure that we will receive the Holy Ghost when we ask. Jesus wants us to be sure that we will receive the Holy Spirit when we ask in the appropriate way. With this promise and other promises, we can ask in faith and know that we have already received what we request. What boxes have you been placing God in? That maybe he's too small to answer a quest that's on your heart. Maybe he doesn't understand enough the struggles that you've gone through. But what this passage is telling us in the book of Luke is that God, in his immeasurable glory, is saying, you understand what it means to help somebody out, even if you don't want to, because they will shamelessly persist, and you will help them out you've got children, you've got family members that ask for good gifts, you're not going to give them something nasty and said you're going to give them something good. How much more I, the God of the universe who created you and formed you and loved you with all of my heart, how much more am I going to do for you? Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. God is able to through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Your wildest dreams, God's already beat you there, and he's running miles ahead of you to show you what's to come. You see, the persistence is not about God, it's about us. God knows we need that continual support and reminder of who he is. Our lives should be, at the end of the day, should always be a continual pursuit of the holy. We are not saved in a moment, but we are saved in a lifetime. Moments along the way leading to a glorious salvation, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done within us. We must persistently ask for the Holy Spirit. But why the Holy Spirit? What's up with this guy? Third member of the Godhead. We got the Father down, we got Jesus down, but what about the Holy Spirit? I'll give you John, chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Once, oh, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Jesus, in the last moments with his disciples, leaves them the greatest gift that they could possibly ask for. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus will tell them later in John that it's better for them that Jesus leaves so that the Holy Spirit can come. Think about that for, the, for a moment. We've got Jesus down. We understand salvation. We understand who he is and how he is a savior. And Jesus says, It's better that I leave even though I am your savior because I've got somebody else coming who will be a constant presence with you. He will be an advocate, a guide by the side, someone to walk with you every step of the way. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, put it this way. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. That's the Holy Spirit. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And further on in verse 8 of chapter 1 in Acts, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus leaves the gift of the Holy Spirit behind for his disciples. He says, this is the most important thing that you can take with you. And if you'll continually ask me for the Holy Spirit, I will give it to you. Not because you've got to reach a a certain amount of, of prayers or button jam until you find the right move. Jesus simply wants us to ask, so that he is equipped to give us the Holy Spirit. When we ask day after day for the Holy Spirit, we are renewed by a fresh baptism that can only come from above. In these uncertain times that we live in, where we head next is predicated by who we are connected to. We are connected to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter what pandemic comes our way. Doesn't matter what cold weather. Doesn't matter what government agency does what it pleases. If we are connected with the Holy Spirit, we will have strength to face today. And that's all we need. I want to finish up with a story for you as our praise team or our special music gets ready to come up. A couple years ago, as Melissa, who's my wife now, was not my wife then, we were uh, studying here at Southwestern, both juniors, and uh, our friendship had, had grown closer and closer. And uh, we would uh, go on long walks around the duck pond and around campus and just enjoy our time together. And it became apparent to both of us that we were coming up to a crossroads. Either we've got to say that this is, this is going to be a thing we're going to do, or we need to just stay friends. And I remember being nervous, and I, I'd gone through, and I talked to her family, and I talked to my family. Everybody was supportive. Now, remember, we were just about to start dating. We were, this wasn't even engagement. And my buddy Austin was encouraging me. He's like, man, you need to ask her, bro. Like, you need to ask her. You need to ask her. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what she's going to say. I don't know what's going to happen. Took me to a flower shop. I got some flowers. Put those in the back of my truck. Drove over to her house. Went and had supper with her and her family. And we went on a walk for uh, around her neighborhood. And I was thinking as we were going on this walk, okay, at this next stop sign, I'm going to ask her to be my girlfriend. And we'd get up to that stop sign and uh, keep right on going. And I wouldn't ask. And my hands were sweaty and I was nervous. She could probably tell. And uh, we, I saw another signpost. And I said, okay, by the time we get there, that's when I'm going to ask her. I didn't ask her. Get around, okay, this next house that we're walking by, when we get in front of that, then I'm going to ask her. This kept going on, I kid you not, for probably 45 minutes. We're just going around this neighborhood, and I'm going to ask him, I'm going to ask him, I'm going to ask him. And finally, we get back to her home, and it was about time for, for me to go, and I hadn't asked her yet. So, what I did, I, I got up the courage. Gentlemen, this is an example of, of what not to do. You should have just done it before. I pull down the tailgate of my truck, and I have her sit down beside me, and this is what I say. So. I was wondering if we could make this official. Those are not the right words to say, by the way. Way too indirect. And I kid you not, she looked straight back into my eyes, and she asked me this question point blank. So, are you going to ask? And I was like, (laughs) let's take it back a little bit. Like, sorry, are you you actually going to ask me? That's when I got the courage, and I said, Melissa, will you be my girlfriend? And immediately she said, yes. We hugged, we surprised I gave flowers and it was amazing. But as we're going on this walk, I could have had the blessing of a closer relationship with her as my girlfriend, but I was too afraid to ask. She was willing the whole time, but all I needed to do was simply ask the question. Praise the Lord. We've been married five years coming up this summer. Super excited about that. God's been good to us. But I leave you today with this. She was willing, but I needed to ask. In the same way, God is willing. All we need to do is ask and we'll receive the Holy Spirit. So I'll leave you with this question. You can ask for the Holy Spirit. You can ask for God to come and work in your life and be a powerful part of who you are and what you're doing.
0: Have you been pursuing God this year? this month, this semester, as Luke 11 verse nine reminds us, it reminds us to be persistent. And I want to encourage you today to be persistent in seeking Jesus. Stay tuned for another episode in this sermon series, Revive, coming out soon, along with a retake of the message. God bless and see you soon.